Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hi everyone, this is Ralph Velasco with another episode of the Traveling Image Makers podcast and I've got another good friend of mine on the show this time, Luka Asenko from Slovenia. Welcome to the show, Luka. Hey, how are you, Ralph? Thank you for inviting me for this uh, talk with you. I really appreciate it. I'm really well. Thank you for uh, for agreeing to participate. Uh, you are there at home in Ljubljana, is that right? Yes, I live in Ljubljana, the capital of Slovenia. And as it's uh, off season for me right now, I I have a month or two now at home, which nice. also feels nice. Yeah, that's I know that uh, that that feeling's got to be nice. At least you've got a home, uh, unlike myself, who's uh, location independent and kind of lives on the road. I'm currently in Cambodia, just uh, finished up an India trip and a Cambodia trip with a group. And now I've got uh, some time to myself to play catch up. I'm sure you know the feeling how in between trips, uh, you're doing a lot of the administrative stuff. I'm sure you're prepping for, for next year's trips now. Is that right? Yes. Now off season doesn't mean that I can just relax and do nothing. It's actually, like you say, it's a lot of other work that was just waiting and piling up. So <laughs> it's all these paperwork, reservations, you know, new trips uh, and stuff, which is also nice. I like to do that as well. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the administrative part of our work, uh, you know, to, to an extent. And, um, you know, like you say, you're, you're on these trips, you're, you're leading groups, and these things just pile up. And so when you've got maybe a week in between trips, which often happens with me, or five days, it seems like all those things to do just get piled up into those five days and trying to re- get any real rest or, you know, really catching up uh, is uh, virtually impossible. <laughs> is that t- kind of how yeah. you feel? Yes, it's never rest. You know, the the thing with our life is that there's no routine. So you always actually improvise everything, you know, every minute that you find you can use for some work or for something. Uh, but that's just how it is. Uh, I'm actually, I prefer this than having nine to five job or something. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think I, I worked for uh, for a big company for three years of my life and uh, made more money than I'd ever made. And it was the worst three years of my life, nine to five, you know, Monday through Friday, typical sort of corporate job. And, uh, you know, in the end, it just turned out to be kind of the worst three years of my life. But um, enough about me. Let's uh, go back a little bit and talk about you. And why don't you give our listeners a little bit of a background about you and uh, how you came to uh, came to be a professional photographer and uh, tour leader, tour organizer. Yeah. Uh, well, it's kind of uh, it was not like a plan or anything that I would become a photographer because I never had this idea in my life when I was growing up uh, it just happened through my travels you know first I started to travel when I was a student and of course then you 
want to show your pictures, where you've been, places you visited, you know, what you experienced. And this is how I picked up photography. And that was just when digital photography became more available. I got my first digital camera uh, in uh, 2004. And this is, this was kind of uh, just hand in hand, you know, traveling photography. And uh, you actually learn quickly with digital. So it became very uh, big part of my trips. So gradually I started to travel because of photos. Uh, not because of taking photos, because of travel. So it just turned around. And people started to buy my photos, mostly the travel agencies that I worked with. Uh, back then, when I was a student, I used to be a tour guide. So that was my student job, you know. I did a few big trips every year just to supplement my income uh, to pay for my studies. And this was always welcome, you know, if you could sell a few images. What it were was some never of the, big money, you know? Sure. What uh, were some of those locations or destinations that you were going to? Oh, I've been all over Asia and Africa. This was my specialty. These two continents. I traveled to more than fifty countries as a tour guide. Mm. Uh, so I've been to everywhere from like Thailand, India, Sri Lanka, and then in Africa, Namibia. Uh, South Africa, East Africa, most of countries. Uh, so it was actually very interesting experience. You know, I learned a lot. I could say that I learned more on these travels than I did through all my studies, <laughs> at least for life, you know. <laughs> sure, school, uh, school of life, right? Yeah, and this is how photography became a big part of me. And... Uh, Later, in 2009, actually, I started with this photo workshops business here in Slovenia and Croatia. So, uh, since then, this is my main job. This is my, actually, money-making uh, business. Uh, so, mostly in the summer season from April to end of October, I do these workshops here in this region. And then also winter is becoming more popular now with uh, this winter photography in Julian Alps here in Slovenia. Uh, so this is how my season looks like. And then off time like now, uh, November, December, like we discussed already, paperwork and uh, also my other projects, Snap Guides. Uh, I can focus on it more. Uh, but we can talk about this more later, I guess, right? Yeah, I definitely want to talk about your app, Snap Guides. Uh, but you had just mentioned uh, Sri Lanka as one of the locations that you'd been to when you were leading the tour yeah. groups. Uh, I'm going there in about 10 or 12 days for the first time. And uh, talk to me a little bit about Sri Lanka. Give me a, Give me a little bit of an overview of what to expect there. Yeah, I must say that this was one of the most pleasant places I visited in Asia mm. because it's such a nice, relaxed uh, country. If you come from India, for example, to Sri Lanka, you will see the difference. People are so more relaxed, friendlier. Uh, it's not so much of this pushing and begging and everything, you know, that you can experience in like North India. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's more relaxed and people are very easygoing. I think it's also very safe in most of 
terms like traffic uh, not being robbed or anything. Uh, so I liked it a lot. Uh, it does not have any big things like Taj Mahal or Himalaya mountains or anything, mm -hmm. but it's overall very, very nice experience. So I think you'll be enjoying it. Great. And I know that uh, the country of Georgia is a fairly new destination for you. Talk to us a little bit about uh, why you decided to make that one of your newer uh, itineraries and uh, what people can look for and expect to see and do there. Yes, Georgia is actually quite under the radar for most travelers, not only photographers, but travel in general. I think most of visitors in Georgia must be Russians or Middle East because it's close, you know, to these countries. Uh, but I haven't seen many Western tourists there. I was there for the first time in August this year, uh, and I plan a new trip next August to uh, 2018. And the main reason why I decided for this country was the mountains, mm. you know, Caucasus is the highest mountain range in Europe. Uh, you have peaks above 5,000 meters on Russian and on Georgian side. Uh, so these are quite dramatic mountains that you cannot really see anywhere closer in Europe. And uh, I wanted to see this, you know. And besides, it's not so many people there. It's more wild. It's more traditional. So I think... Uh, this must be the main reasons why I decided where I got my interest uh, for this country. Tell me, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, tell me why you chose August, uh, because I know that I often, and you said that you're doing, you scouted in August and you're going back in August, and that's what I usually do, because oftentimes our trips are based on the harvests or seasons or holidays. Why August for Georgia? Yeah, it doesn't sound really uh, like a first choice, but it was actually a deliberate decision because uh, we wanted to make sure that we can get high up to the mountains. Mm. If we did it later, maybe in October, it would be a risk that we get snow and everything, so we could not access the places that we wanted to go, the mountain villages, uh, because this is not like regular roads. You know, you have like eight hours gravel road, dirt track, basically, mm. with four-wheel drives. You know, it's Toyota Delicas, mm -hmm. where you jump inside the car all the time, and you, you get out, you're shaken like it's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's the only way to get there, you know. There's no other way. So uh, August was uh, suggested as a dry and reliable month for the weather, even though it could be very hot in the valley. Uh, the mountains were actually quite pleasant and actually surprisingly cool at night. So uh, that was the main reason. And, you know, when you are in these mountains, there's uh, constant snow in the peaks. So you get snow-covered peaks even in August. So for photography, it's beautiful. Yeah, I, kn I knew you'd have a good reason for, for doing that. Um, makes sense because you do a lot of uh, high altitude. Now, uh, Slovenia, of course, has the Julian Alps, which are absolutely spectacular. And a lot of people talk about under the radar. I think Slovenia is one of those countries that, that is under the radar for uh, for a lot of Americans, at least. 
And uh, I've uh, just a little background about you and I. We've worked together for, I don't know, four or five years now. And uh, you've helped put our uh, highlights of the Adriatic trip together. And uh, you and Dan Brischke, who uh, we had on the show a few episodes ago. And um, just a, uh, an amazing country. And you do a lot of high altitude, not only climbing, but photography as well, right? Yes, that's my biggest passion. And uh, most of my photography I do for myself is in the Alps. Uh, Julian Alps mostly because this is the closest to me and I know it really well, that area. But I also visit uh, Italy, Dolomites, and uh, the mountains of the Balkans a lot, like Montenegro. The north of Montenegro is really wild and beautiful. Uh, so this is what I do for my own pleasure, yes. Yeah, it's, it's such a, you know, I, I'd call it an undiscovered part of Europe. Of course, you know, people know about it, but it's it, it's just not at the top of people's lists. Um, and uh, I think it sh- it should be way up there. It's uh, absolutely spectacular. Uh, Lake Bled uh, with uh, that the island church there. And you've got some pictures on your website. And we'll certainly put links to your website and uh, some of your trips. But uh, and, and the fact that you go there in winter, I've never been in winter. But uh, you and guys like Dan and I'm sure some of your clients, uh, you like to get up high and... Uh, and you're doing some serious climbing. I know Dan always talks about just sleeping out in the open sometimes. How about yourself? Are you are you quite that rugged when it comes to it? I know you, you and Dan travel together quite a bit. Yeah, well, he's one of my uh, companions when we do this uh, in the mountains. So usually we do it in a couple because it's safer. And also you have a company, you know, for these long nights and long walks. So, yes, we spent a lot of nights outside. Uh, and, you know, often you don't even sleep because you do night photography, you know, Milky Way or some star trails. And in summer, nights are very short. So mm. you have like three, four hours between dusk and dawn, you know. And mm-hmm. I guess this is what we like. We go for to the mountains. It's funny because most of the time when you walk up the mountain, people are going the opposite way going mm-hmm. down because you would go up for the sunset and when you walk down the mountain everybody is starting to go up for you know like when the day is starting so you're always in the other direction which that, is also nice you know? that sounds fantastic yeah, you have more solitude than other visitors <laughs> that's great um, I know that uh, you, you'd mentioned Montenegro, one of my favorite countries, and uh, Croatia as well. Um, talk to us a little bit about uh, the travel, especially to Croatia, which uh, is right next door to Slovenia. Uh, I, you had, uh, when I came to do my scouting trip, you had turned me on to Rovin, and that's just a beautiful seaside town. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Croatia is probably much more popular in the States than Slovenia is, so a lot of listeners heard about it, at least if they didn't visit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But most of people that hear about Croatia, they will hear about Dubrovnik, uh, the city on the south of Adriatic, 
for Plitvica Lakes National Park mm-hmm. uh, with these beautiful waterfalls and lakes. Uh, but Ravine and Istrian Peninsula, which is the north of Croatia, is much less known. But I must say that uh, I like it much better, actually. Uh, Ravine is, used to be an island in the old days, but now it's part of the coast, the mainland. Uh, and it's one of the most preserved Venetian towns in Adriatic. Uh, so all this history in that area is connected, you know, Venice that controlled many centuries all this area and the trade that was going through. They left their influence. And nowadays it's a nice combination of these Italian-like towns and this Croatian culture and Mediterranean food. Uh, it gives you really, really nice experience that you wouldn't really expect in that part of the world. And uh, Ruvin itself is such a gem for photography. You've been there, you know that it's kind of a closed for cars, the old town. You can photograph the cobble streets, cobblestone streets, uh, when the city lights turn on, or you can go just out of the town and shoot the cityscapes reflecting in the water. So that's kind of a one of the highlights of the region. And uh, I really like spending time there with the groups because good photography is actually guaranteed. There's no weather that you could not shoot there unless it's really pouring down. But this doesn't happen really often. So, <laughs> Yeah, just uh, those, like you mentioned, that, 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 re- that whole region was uh, sort of... Uh, overseen by the Venetians, so you've got these little uh these venetian walled cities like rovine and would would uh, dubrovnik and kotor be considered uh venetian towns as well that uh, were left over from that era mm, kotor yes in a way but not the same extent as rovine uh but dubrovnik was actually historically a competitor of venice so um you get actually a bit different feel to the city. It's not so Italian influenced, than, or at least Venetian influenced, than it was uh, the rest of these Adriatic towns. Uh, but it's still so amazingly preserved. You know, the old town, every single building is as it was centuries ago. It's amazing. It's like a stepping back in town when you walk into the town. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh... Uh, parts of it were uh, taken out in the war in the 90s, right? And you can kind of see that difference between the the bright red, newer tiled roofs and the old, really worn ones at Dubrovnik, right? Yeah, if, if you walk the city walls or if you see the city from above, you could see the difference in the roof tile colors, yes. But I think over the years this will get less visible it's going to be the same and uh, the city authorities are really trying to hide every every uh, like damage from the war mm-hmm. so it's actually you have to look really hard to see what was damaged yeah so, and, and Dubrovnik gets a little bit of a bad rap because it it's got these huge cruise ships that uh, now they've got the new cruise ship port and you can often see one or two cruise ships sitting off offshore, and they're just ferrying in thousands of people or bussing them in into this very small 
walled city, but uh, it's easy to get out early, stay out late, and to, to beat those crowds, don't you think? Yeah, I think this is the best part of photography trips, that you are in the town shooting when there's least people, you know, like mornings and then when the cruise ship people leave, you know, in the afternoon and the evening, you can go back to the city when it's, again, more relaxed. Or you can actually just go to the viewpoints above the city on the mountain and there's hardly any people up there. So you can experience the city from different perspective and you don't have to fight for your room in the city at the same time. So it's actually a really nice experience still. Yeah, we've gotten some amazing shots from above Dubrovnik because it's kind of tucked under this very steep mountain and it's uh, it's pretty easy to get up there and get a bird's eye view of this walled city that's just kind of floating out in the sea almost. And, uh, and then you can see these amazing clouds coming through and I've seen goats up there and wildflowers. It's just spectacular. Um but uh, you know, speaking of, of getting out early and kind of getting ahead of the crowds, which we always try to do as photographers, um, sometimes that can go against you because there's times when you get out early and that's when there's people sweeping the streets, that's when the, the garbage trucks are out or the garbage cans are out waiting to be picked up and... Um, you know, so it's just a matter of trying to focus on that uh, as your subject, I think, or, you know, to portray that or, you know, do your best to kind of frame it out when possible. But, um, you know, the, I'm always talking about, and I'm sure you do on your trips as well, just getting out early before the crowds. But, uh, you know, there's times when that can go against you because oftentimes that's when the delivery trucks are showing up and things like that, right? Yeah, that happens. Uh, but, you know, if you are, for example, we talk about Dubrovnik in spring, like or June, this, you go out at 5 a.m., you know, there's no trucks yet then at that time. They come maybe at 6 or 7 when it's already daylight. So you can still get away from this. And then if you're back in the city in October when sunrise is like 7.30 or so, uh, okay, there, there will be more trucks at the time, but again, there's less tourists in this time of the year. So you can always get shots and you can get away from and stuff. But it's never, you know, you should never expect like everything's going to go smooth. But that's part of photography, like you say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I want to make sure that we uh, make some time to talk about your Snap Guides. Tell us about uh, your your app that that you've been working on for for quite a few years now. Uh, you and I, I remember the two of us uh, 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 sitting in uh, Montenegro and talking about uh, your app just coming out because you knew that I developed an app. So tell us how things are going with that. Yeah, I think when we spoke about it, it was must be like three years ago or so, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we are out now about two years in the App Store and a little less in uh, Android. And uh, I must say that we have uh, really, really good feedback from our users. 
when we started, it was a bit difficult because we only had seven destinations, seven guides in the app, and we are closing to 40. Wow. Uh, that's our goal for a new year. We have 40 destinations all around the world. And uh, just to explain what Snap Guides is about, uh, this is an interactive app that helps photographers find interesting places to shoot. So we create destination guides with uh, working together with local photographers uh, to give people spots where they can shoot if they come to a new place. So, for example, if they come to my region, here, Slovenia, Croatia, Montenegro, I created different guides for the most popular places, like Dubnik, Plitvice Lakes National Park, Julian Alps, the coast of Montenegro. And when people purchase this guide, uh, let's say Montenegro, they will find out 60 spots that are best for photography, and every spot is described how to get there, what to go there, what to shoot this place, and also sample images uh, and all this advice that help you as a photographer to get the best possible from this location. So uh, right now we have a team of more than 40 photographers who already published or who are working on guides uh, with us. And we have destinations in United States, in Argentina, in Africa, Asia, and a lot of destinations here in Europe and UK. Uh, so this collection of destinations is growing every month. We are adding new. Just like three days ago, we added uh, Dorset. Uh, we added uh, Glacier National Park uh, in the United States. Uh, and we added uh, Singapore. Mm. So uh, people can download our app for free. They can try some these sample spots to see how it works. And then if they find a destination they are interested in, they can purchase it in the app. Uh, so this is how it works. Basically, we are kind of a publishing platform for local photographers to create guides for photographers. Now, uh, ab about how much uh, are the uh, the actual uh, in-app purchases for the destinations? Do they vary? Yes, uh, the the prices will be around uh, from five to fifteen dollars per guide, depending on the size. Because some guides they have like fifteen or twenty spots described. Uh, with maybe 20 images, and some guides are really extensive, like one of the biggest is Lake District in UK, which has about 120 locations with almost 200 images. Wow. You know, this one would be about $15, which is still a very, very good mm. value for people visiting the area. Yeah, especially when uh, you are going to a place for a short period of time and you really need to, to make the best use of your time Having this kind of guide that can help you get to the, uh, you know, the the most uh, interesting locations where you can, uh, you know, get sh get those kinds of shots is is really wonderful. And um, is there anything in? Uh, do you talk about uh, you know people trying to make those shots their own? I, I'm sure you do that on your tours, but in um, you know instead of just trying to get the same shot everyone else is getting. As there, uh, you know, what do you how do you talk about that? 
Yeah, we like to encourage people to do their own photography in the areas. Uh, we actually, our idea is not to copy the shots that we display in the app, but just to give people the places where they can go to do photography. So we give them some sample shots just to get the idea if they like the place or not, what to expect there. And you know yourself that actually every time you go to one place, you will get different photos from that place mm -hmm. uh, because of weather, because of, I don't know, time of day, time of the day or you name it, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, we like to encourage users uh, to go and explore, you know, and with our app, they can organize their day. Because, okay, they can see, okay, these two places, they're good for sunrise, so let's go there first. And then during the day, we could visit these three places. And then in the evening, we can end up our day shooting at this area. And uh, it's much easier to, if you have limited time, like maybe three days at Lake Blitz, uh, without our help, it would be very difficult to organize your day efficiently, you know, uh, to get the most out of your photography. And that's the main point, you know, to save people time and to give them inspiration. Uh, we don't want to encourage copying. I mean, people can, of course, copy the photos. They can do whatever they want. But photography, it's not about this, as you will agree. It's about making your own stuff, what speaks to you and uh, what catches your eye when you are in that area. Yeah, I think it gives you uh, just a great starting point, and then you go and you explore further, like you say, and uh, you know make your own images, get out there at different times of day and different weather conditions, and uh, try to make those shots your own. Really, really important. But uh, I think it's a great idea, and I I can't believe that you're up to forty already. That's wonderful. Uh, do you have any sort of goal of uh, a maximum, or are you just going to keep going as long as you can? Well, our goal is to expand to as many places as we can, mm -hmm. but we don't want to do it too quickly because we are very, very selective with the photographers that we work with Right. because we want to keep quality high mm -hmm. because people, when they purchase our guides, we want to make sure that they get reliable information, very informative information. So uh, it's takes us a lot of time just to find photographers that we want to work with. Uh, so this is actually our biggest limit at the moment of this developing new destinations. And as soon as we have enough destinations, we will also uh, implement subscriptions so people can subscribe for a monthly or yearly fee and they can access all destinations, all guys that we have uh, for free within the app. Yeah, that, that sounds uh, great. And how, how are you finding these photographers? Uh, are, are you seeking them out? Or is there a way for uh, you know really good photographers to let you know that they know a particular destination? Uh, well, we have different ways. Uh, at the beginning, we were, of course, contacting photographers ourselves, mostly. But now when the app is out and we have... Uh, a lot of users, people actually started to contact us to make guides with us. But uh, I must say that we say no to most of them, not because we would be like arrogant or anything, but it's just that we really want to keep the quality up. Sure. Uh, but we are inviting photographers if uh, 
they know the area if they do workshops or if they just photograph that area a lot and they have a good portfolio that represents the place, then we are more than happy to work with any photographer. And uh, it's actually fun to work on a guide. I must say from my own experience, I really enjoyed to go through all my images that I have from, for example, Lake Blit and that area in the Alps and to see what I've done there and how does my portfolio look as a whole, you know. Uh, and I actually discovered that I haven't shot some places uh, in this season or in this weather or that I'm missing some images. Uh, so it helped me uh, as well, personally, just to assess what I have, what I don't have. Um, so it's actually really nice. And the team of photographers that we work with, we try to help them with their own stuff. Uh, we actually recommend them and their workshops or if they sell ebooks or something, uh, we try to promote them as well. Uh, so it's not just the guides and selling the guides, but also it's kind of a community and a team. Um, so yes, if any of the listeners uh, is interested in creating a guide and uh, publish it in our Snap Guides, please get in touch with us. Uh, our website is snapguides.co with two P, snap with two P's. Uh, and uh, we can talk about it. Yeah, and, and like you say, I'm sure you're looking for really established photographers with high quality portfolios that really know a destination and that might even be teaching workshops and things like that. Um, so, not just. You know, some weekend photographer that, that might have a couple snaps, but, uh, you know, high, high quality people. So if you feel like you're qualified, uh, for something like this, first of all, go out and get the app. It's free. Try out some of the, uh, the test, uh, the test guides and then buy a couple and, uh, see if you think that your portfolio and experience, uh, is of high enough quality where, uh, it's worth getting in touch with Luca. So that's great. But snapguides.co and that's snap with two P's. And we'll certainly uh, put a link in the show notes. Um, well, as we wind things down here, Luca, what else you have uh, coming up on the, uh, you got any speaking engagements, some uh, tours coming up that you want to promote? What's going on with you? Well, it's always too many things that I'm uh, involved with. Uh, the last <laughs> thing that I actually did was uh, I got my license for a drone pilot. Oh, great. Because I really want to do some more aerial shots here in Slovenia. Hmm. Uh, so probably in the next few months, uh, I'll be engaging in this more. And uh, I must say that with my workshops, uh I'm always welcoming people to join them, of course. And uh, I'm focusing on Slovenia myself mostly and my team. They work like the rest of the countries as well. Uh, so the next workshop, uh, like we mentioned, for me is uh, January in winter. I have three workshops in a row in Julian Alps. So we focus most of photography around Lake Blit and the mountains around and uh, this is totally different season, totally unexpected for most of people because it's uh, Slovenia is mostly known in Croatia for a summer holiday season 
but winter is really quiet, really spectacular landscapes and different type of light. You know, you have snow, ice, you have lower sun. So it's really rewarding for photography. So uh, I will do I'll do more workshops uh, in January 2019. Uh, 218 probably is, it's, anyway, it's booked up already. Uh, but you're more, most welcome to join us in the next winter. Yeah, if you're if you're looking to to uh, see what uh, Slovenia and this region of the world, the Julian Alps is all about. Uh, Luca is your man. Uh, I don't think there's anyone who knows it quite as well as he does, and uh, he's a spectacular photographer. Uh, his website's at lucaasanko.com. We'll certainly put uh, that link in the show notes. And uh, where can uh, people find you on the uh, social media networks? Are you under Luca Senko as well? Yes, I'm. As far as I know, I'm the only Luca Senko out there. So people can just find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and uh, they can get in touch with me or just see what I do, the photos that I post there. Yeah, great stuff, and uh, you can see those those links on his website. And, um, well, Luca, I can't thank you enough for uh, spending the time to talk to me and our, our listeners about, uh, your photography and your background and, uh, what you're up to. Thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks for the invite, Ralph. I really appreciate it. And, um, I hope we can catch up again sometime in this region to meet in person again. Yeah. I hope to be there in the next year or so, and I will certainly look you up. Well, folks, uh, thanks for listening to another episode of the Traveling Image Makers podcast. Again, Ralph Velasco here. You can find me on all the social media networks at Ralph Velasco and at Photo Enrichment. Uh, my website is photoenrichment.com where you can see all about my upcoming tours. A uh, few that I've got coming up are uh, two back-to-back to Cuba, which I've got a few spots left on. Uh, Morocco in April, May, and then a trip to central Spain, Madrid, Segovia, and Toledo in uh, May. So uh, look for those. If you would like some more information, just go to photoenrichment.com. And you can certainly look for Ugo at ucphoto.me. And in the meantime, get out and shoot. <laughs>